Welcome to LifeWorks, where we talk about life and work and making it work. I'm Hannah Greenstein, a from mompreneur on a mission just like yours, to live the mompreneur life that brings me feelings of balance and inner peace and joy. Here, I hold space for you in the many roles you play as a from mommy business owner. Join me for support, mindset, techniques, and tools around productivity, focus, and work-life balance so you can feel in balance and at peace. If you can find excitement and joy at work and at home, you will thrive in the roles you play and feel fulfilled by your life's work. And that's what I want for you. So let's get started. Welcome back, ladies. You know that my mission is to help you take control of the things that you can control so that you can experience so much more positively the circumstances that are beyond your control. And my incredible guest today, Yafa Palti, gave so much wisdom and insight into different perspectives we could have and different tips and tricks to help move us into taking control of our emotions and of the way we experience our circumstances and to let go of overwhelm and victimhood and instead choose to be constantly evolving and growing and feeling joy. And she also shared incredible insights into how we could juggle the roles we play as a Yiddish mama and as a business owner and how Yiddishkeit views the intersection of those roles and she just gave so much incredible food for thought. I think you're going to love this episode. I'm going to dive into Yafa's bio. From Brooklyn to Israel to Mexico City to San Diego and now Miami, Yafa Palti has been actively involved in community affairs, teaching, lecturing, and has led challah bakes for thousands of women across the U.S. for many years. As a speaker, Yafa lectures on many diverse topics, mostly inspirational, motivational, and transformational, all profound, enlightening, humorous, and unique. Yafa comes from a Torah-observant background and was raised in a home infused with chesed and unconditional acceptance. She is a singer-songwriter and often blends together her lectures and melodies. She is also a trained educator as well as a certified addictions and substance abuse professional. No, today's episode is just going to be so on point for you. So enjoy listening. Afa, thank you so much for being here. Welcome Hi, to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm honored to be here. I'm so excited to dive right in. But before we do, could you just share with us your background, how you got to where you are today? Where am I today? I'm in Miami, physically. I lived in many places till I got here. And the places where I lived physically had a lot to do with where I am emotionally, psychologically, mentally, spiritually, socially. It's all connected. And I do think that a lot of that has to do with mindset and with attitude, which maybe we'll talk about soon if that comes up. Yeah. But I grew up in New York. I was the typical, I mean, I guess not so typical because the real typical wouldn't have done what I did, but kind of typical American Basiako girl, you know, um, Ashkenaz family, Holocaust survivor, grandparents, you know, and I went and I married my husband who is Mexican, Sephardic, complete different world. And we ended up moving to Israel after we got married where he finished his smicha. And then we lived there for seven years. And then we moved to Mexico City, where, where, as I mentioned, my husband is originally from. And we moved there so that we can, um, you know, spread Torah, teach Torah, spread Hashem's light and, you know, teach 
people, his community in Mexico was missing a lot of that. So that's why we moved there and we built up a community there. We lived there 11 years and then we moved to San Diego in 2016, where we continued to build up a community there. We built a shul. There was a lot of stuff you know, going on over there. We only lived there three years because we realized it was very difficult to live there Jewishly. It was the most beautiful city. The weather, everything about it was gorgeous. Yeah. But there was nothing there for a Torah observant Jew. No yeshiva. There's a day school, but there was no yeshiva. There was no kosher food. There was like, we were the only Shomer Shabbos family in about 15 miles. So it got very difficult. Yeah, my kids, friends, this, that, my daughters, they were the only ones like in their classes for sure. And almost the only ones in their school who kept kosher, Shabbos, you know, one of my daughters, her class would go to the mall, like on a a free period or something. And she would, they would all sit there, you know, eating in KFC and she stood there outside holding her little Coke, you know? Mm -hmm. So we realized at a certain point that we are making sacrifices for Hashem and sacrifices to help his children. But am I sacrificing my own children to help Hashem's children? I don't know if that's really what he wants from us, you know? So that's when we left and we moved to Miami which is in itself a whole long story, but I'm not going to get into that now. But that's kind of what we do. My husband and I, we build communities and we try to teach Torah, bring people closer to Hashem and whatever we can do, whatever talents we can use of ours to reach that goal, that's what we spend our lives doing. Wow. I'm sure we could do a whole podcast on your travels and your experiences in each place, but maybe on a sequel. For now, I really want to dive into a big question that I have because my mission is like to empower from mompreneurs to be on their journey with fulfillment and joy and energy instead of burnout and overwhelm and exhaustion. But right now, so many of the women I talk to are in this space of burnout and overwhelm and exhaustion. Some of them don't even know that there is another possibility. They think that they are kind of a victim of their circumstances, right? And if if I have kids to take care of, and if I have a business to run, then this is how it's going to be. Could you talk to us about this mindset and what mindset shifts we have to experience in order to be open to this possibility that our circumstances don't have to define our experience, that we are in control of the way we experience them? Okay, that's a super powerful idea and one that I really am very passionate about and I believe in very much, this idea of being in control of our lives instead of allowing our lives to control us. And this really, you know, pretty much happens with so many things because we do tend to live the kind of lives where there are things that are not in our control. I mean, first of all, you know, you have children. Just this morning, by the way, I was supposed to go to Boca. I had a whole plan. I live in Miami. It's about 45 minutes from Boca. And I was supposed to go there. I had a whole plan. And then one of my kids was sick and then one of my other kids needed to go somewhere and I had to take them. And all of a sudden, like, I had to cancel what I was supposed to do in Boca this morning because it just wasn't working for me. You know, when when we have families, when we have children, we have all these things that just come up. And this was physical things, but then there's emotional things and then there's financial. And we live in this world of not knowing exactly what's going to happen. And by the way, more than ever over the past two years, it's been exactly two years, March, you know, 2020, when COVID started, I think we learned this lesson more than ever before, right? Anyone who ever thought that there was any semblance of control in their life, most of that was out the door, out the window, right? We suddenly realized, wait, wait, there are only a limited amount of things that I can control. There are lots of things that I can't control. 
And I think that a lot of overwhelm that we feel comes from trying to control the things that we actually can't control. And this is very much aligned with the theme of Adar right now. And we're in recording this in the week of Purim. I don't know when it's going to come out, but we're talking now right before Purim. And this is the whole energy of Adar and of Purim itself, where, you know, Simcha, this idea of happiness, how do we actually achieve it? What is it? And I think that one of the keys in being able to live a life of happiness, which by the way, Simcha does not translate as happiness. We call it happiness, but it's a much deeper concept than that. It's actually contentment. It's this inner peace, this menuchas hanefesh that we yearn for, right? Inside, Simcha is not loud and big and up and down and it's very quiet. It's very tranquil. It's very calm. It's just this even keel menuchas hanefesh that we feel from inside, this contentment. And part of contentment is understanding that there are certain things in life that I can control. There are certain things in life that I can't control. And I need to be able to prioritize, put my energy on the things that are a priority, on the things that I have to do. This is what I teach when I give, you're into time management, right? You're going to give courses on it. So when I teach this concept of time management, I know she's laughing that I teach time management. I came a half hour late to this meeting or whatever. But <laughs> part of what I teach about is how to prioritize, which is super important when you want to manage your life, when you want to get a grip, right? On things enough. Prioritizing means what are the things that I have to do personally that nobody else can do? And what are the things that I can perhaps delegate to another person? Right. And that can actually let go of a lot of overwhelm, a lot of the things that I don't have to be completely in charge of this. I don't have to control every single thing in life. Somebody else can do this. Right. So that, those are just some ideas of understanding that I could let go. You know, Hashem has been trying to teach us for the past two years that we need to learn to let go, that not everything is in our hands and not everything is in our control. I remember a friend of mine, she did not grow up Shomer Shabbos. She didn't grow up from. And when she was finding her way to Torah and she started learning about Hashem and understanding that Hashem is involved in every area of life and Muna Bitachon, she was so relieved. She said it was like this weight lifted off her shoulders that she doesn't control the world. She was like, what? I'm not in right. charge? Oh my goodness. It was like this amazing feeling. Yeah. And I think we need to look right? We need to live with that feeling every day, that feeling of, okay, I'm a human being. You know, I don't know where this started, but we kind of have this unrealistic expectation of perfection, that we have to be these perfect people, perfect wives, perfect mothers, perfect content creators, perfect whatever it is that we're doing. And I don't know where that came from. The tablescapes have to be perfect and our children dressed perfect, everything perfect, perfect, perfect. And then we always feel like we come up short and like we can't, we just can't do it all and get it all and be it all. Well, guess what? We can't, we're not meant to be. We're not meant to do everything and be everything. And people often ask me that classic question, Yafa, how do you do it all, right? How are you, you know, all the things you do, Baruch Hashem, I'm super busy, involved in so many projects and so many things and so many courses. And, you know, how do you do it all and being a mother and what? And I always said, I don't. Who says I do it all? I really don't. For every conference that I attend that I have to fly overseas to attend to, I'm missing my child's chumash play. And if I choose my child's yeah. chumash play, I'm missing 
conference, right? And it's not even possible to do it all. It's all about prioritizing. So I think it happens to be that one time on, my, on a trip to Israel, I was bringing a group of women that I bring, you know, almost every year until COVID. Now I miss it. I haven't been there in so long. So I hope I'll go again soon. But there was one trip that I took. I watched my daughter's graduation live streaming on the plane. I had to miss it. It was There was nothing I can do, right? You can't do it all. And I think that by having the expectation that we can do it all or that there's someone out there who does it all, we're hurting ourselves because it's not possible. So I think that some of this overwhelm, I don't even remember specifically what your question was anymore. I don't know if I answered all the things that Go you brought ahead. in, but I think a lot, I think a lot of this, it really boils down to letting go of this expectation of perfection, letting go of the things that we actually can't control and focusing in on the things we can control and prioritizing the things that we can do. Yeah. Okay. So much good stuff I want to explore. Let's dig deep into this victim mindset because I think that that's one of the biggest shifts women undergo. And then once they realize that they can take control of the parts of life they can control, so empowering, and they're able to make changes that they couldn't make before because they didn't know they were a possibility. But why do we almost naturally tend to a victim mindset? Like, why do we have to work our way out of that? Why is that the go-to? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a good question. We do naturally fall into a victim mindset. And I think two things. First of all, it's easier. It's much easier to be a victim than to take responsibility for your life, isn't it? Right? It's easier. Sometimes it's more right? Enjoyable, but in the moment, enjoyable. It's instantly gratifying. Why? Because we get attention for it. We get validation for it. But all of that only lasts very, as I said, in the moment, because very, very soon, if we live in that right. victim mindset, we're going to burn all our bridges. We're not going to have those people by our side anymore, right? So in the moment, it feels good. It feels like, it's not my fault. And again, we get that love and attention and validation for it. So that's why it's something that we naturally go to. One, it feels good. Number two, as I said, it's easier. It doesn't require any work. The opposite of being a victim is being someone who takes responsibility for their life and takes responsibility for their actions. That's hard stuff. You got to get up. You got to own up and you got to say, this isn't working. I have to change something. Who wants to change anything in life? It's very hard to make a change in life. It comes with its own set of fears and its own set of obstacles and all these things. We open up all these doors that we might not want to step into without realizing that life can be so much better for us on the other side. Life is so much better when you're a responsible person and when you're a victor of life rather than when you're a victim of life. But it's hard to see right. past that. Does that make sense? Right, totally. And how do you identify? Sometimes it's like not so obvious when you're being a victim and when it's just your reality. Let's say a mother feeling, right? Like, it's not my fault I'm so exhausted. The kids are so exhausting and, you know, life is so draining and I have so many kids and they've been home for Purim. And in one situation, that might be like a victim mindset, right? She's not taking responsibility for getting herself to bed on time and drinking enough water during the day and eating breakfast when she gets up. And in some cases, you don't have control, like the baby was up all night. And so I guess my question is two part. How, like, how do you identify what is the victim mindset versus what you really don't have control over? And then when you don't have control, what's the right mindset to adopt, right? Let's say the baby was up all night, so I am so exhausted and it's not my fault. Now what? Okay. So I think let's first get to your first question, which is how, do, how can we identify yeah. the difference, right? So I think that if we catch ourselves feeling this woe is to me, 
that's a victim mindset. Like, oh, poor me. And this, by the way, is the opposite of contentment. This is all tying into what we said before, this concept of simcha. The opposite of simcha, by the way, is not atzvos. It's not sadness. The opposite of simcha is yish, which means despair. It's the, this feeling of why me, right? This feeling of why this? Why now? Why can't I be? Why can't I have? That's the opposite of simcha. And that type of narrative and that type of talk and that type of perspective actually inhibits the ability to reach true simcha, to really be content. Because contentment is this idea, this understanding that I am in exactly the right place at exactly the right time and that everything I, I have everything I need. Everything I was given, my circumstances in life, the things that I was given physically, emotionally, my husband, my children, my life circumstances, everything was given to me on purpose because it's exactly what I need. So understanding this concept of this is what real true simcha actually is, this level of I was given everything I need. I don't, and the reason you feel so happy with this uh, level of contentment is because you really truly feel like you're not lacking anything. Right. So if you're not lacking anything, you feel fulfilled. You feel complete from within this victim mindset of woe is to me is the opposite of that. It's this narrative of, as I said, even if it's not on the level of despair, it's that same perspective. Why me? Why is this happening? You know, poor me, all of that. Right. So that that inhibits us from truly being basimcha. It inhibits us from that feeling of inner peace that we so desperately long for. So we could make that distinction and that differentiation between am I thinking woe is to me or this is my reality, it's difficult, how can I get better? Am I being solution-oriented, right? That would be, and it doesn't mean you can't vent. Of course, sometimes you feel like you need to kvetch a little bit. It's such a hard night. That's fine. Everyone could kvetch a little bit. But are you just venting and getting some your you know some air out and and getting your feelings out a little bit or are you actually dwelling there and living there that would be the difference right you had a hard night you can talk about your hard night that's okay you need a little validation for that but are you getting validation for a specific thing you went through or the validation for your own self-worth that's a whole big difference so powerful right thank you i'm yeah. glad it resonated i mean we can go on and on i could talk so much about this i just don't know i don't want to hijack this whole thing on this one topic but if you want me to continue or if you have any more questions about this it's such an important idea to really get into and talk about because I think sometimes we all experience different levels of right. a victim mentality. But what we need to understand that sometimes it's okay. We don't have to call ourselves victims, but overall we need to own up and take responsibility for our lives, no matter what it is that happened. And I understand that sometimes things can lead and connect from things that happened in the past. And that can kind of pull a person down and really create, like if it's day after day of difficulties. And we have to remember that every single day is a new day, every day. And I think that the biggest mistake that some people make is thinking that their yesterday has to be their tomorrow. My yesterday doesn't have to be my tomorrow. I can leave yesterday in yesterday and today is today and tomorrow can be tomorrow. And I don't have to carry any of the hardship with me, any of the difficulty with me, Right? We can start again every single day, just like every day we get our neshama again, 
every single morning, a pure neshama. It doesn't matter what was done yesterday. Today's a new day. So, you know, I think that's one way to make sure we don't get into victim mindset. Even if we're having a difficult day, that's okay. Feel bad for yourself today if you have to, that's okay. But don't, but make sure you don't move in. Don't live there tomorrow, live there today. Just rent it, rent an Airbnb for one day. Right. And I think the most, something so important to recognize is what you said, that victim mindset feels good today, but in the long run, knowing that you are empowered to choose how you feel, um, even if you can't choose so many things about your circumstances, it just, it puts so much power into your hands, which means that if you have the choice over how you feel, then you can make the choice to feel good. And it's not always that simple, but it's always a possibility. But if you're stuck in that victim mindset and if woe is to you, then that's it. There is no possibility for things to get better. hundred percent. You know, what we need to understand is that everything in life is about choices. We, everything we do is a choice. And if you're not making a choice, that's also a choice to not make a choice and to let life control you, right? So everything is a choice, everything. And what what, what a lot of people fail to understand and to really integrate is that we control our thoughts. They don't control us. We control our feelings and emotions. And this is a topic that's a little bit difficult for people to understand today. And I'll tell you why I think that is because we are living in the first generation that has a relationship with their emotions, right? This is the first generation where we are taught how, what emotions mean and how to feel them and how to live with them. And, and, and it's a beautiful thing and it's a wonderful thing. I mean, it used to be years ago, like when my parents were growing up, children should be seen, but not heard. Right, you know, a child has an opinion. I don't, you don't have an opinion. You're a child. You just do as I say, right? And today, of course, we lean into a child's emotions and we help a child express themselves, and it's much healthier. But like with anything in life, how far are we leaning in? Sometimes we are leaning in so far that you know that we're giving the emotion way too much importance and i see that happening a lot today you know sometimes we take things to an extreme before we find a healthy balance and we have to remember that the extreme that it's leaning into today is not the healthy balance that we give so much importance to our emotions we allow them to control us instead of us controlling the emotion so right we need to understand that right that the way I'm feeling right now, you know, and again, this, a lot of this is that victim mindset. It's letting us be in our feels, be in our feelings so much. And they're, they're ruminating and going round and round and round and round. And we have to ask ourselves, you know, am I evolving, which is what life is all about, right? We have to take circumstances that happen to us and evolve from them. And we have to ask ourselves, am I evolving or am I revolving? Right? Am I just going round and round and round in circles in my feelings and in my thoughts, or am I actually evolving from them? And I think that a lot of times when we're feeling in that place, that little rut that we get into, again, that victim mode or that just kind of that depression. And of course, I'm not t- talking about a clinical depression. I'm talking about that, that standard depression that we get into that kind of paralyzes us from moving and from doing things we need to do, right? So when we kind of get into yeah. that space... We need to ask ourselves, am I living my life in a circle? 
because what is life? Life kind of is this circle, right? The circle of life, right? So it goes round and round and you get back to the same place every year, right? Oh, it's Purim again this year. Remember Purim last year, right? It's almost Pesach. It's almost Rosh Hashanah, my birthday. We go round and round. We end up in the same place every year. But life is not meant to be lived in a circle. When life is lived in a circle, it remains very surface level and we're staying comfortable. Even if we're uncomfortable in certain areas of life, we find comfort in the discomfort. That's who we are as humans, right? So we're just going round and round. So even though we end up in the same place again every year, life is not a circle. Life is supposed to be a spiral. So we go to the same place, but each time we go, we're a little bit higher higher and higher and higher. We've evolved. We've elevated ourselves beyond. And as long as we keep evolving, it's not possible for us to be victims and be evolvers at the same time. A victim keeps themselves down and low, right? A victim thinks that that not, that life isn't fair. A victim thinks that that the world is out to get them. A victim thinks that the world owes them something. And what we need to realize is the world was here before we were. What does it owe us? Nothing, right? Nothing owes us anything. We want to achieve something or we want to receive something from life. We have to take the responsibility to get up and make that happen, right? People really celebrate their rights. We all want to have rights, but we want to have rights without responsibility for the rights. So it all boils down to owning up. And saying, this is how I'm feeling. This is what happened. Okay, now how can I get past that? So we do have to be in touch with our emotions and be in touch with our feelings. But again, we have to visit them, not move in with them, not live there. Just visit, check in, how's it going? Stay for a cup of coffee. And now how can we move past? How can we move on? Right. So powerful, Yatha. So what about taking that control of our emotions and staying and feeling good when things are so uncertain and so stressful, like they've been on a global level the past two years, right? And everyone has their own personal struggles that they go through as well. And especially like in the past two years, we just saw in ways we have never seen before where everything was uncertain and the whole world was in upheaval. And that affected everything from not knowing when your kids were going to be home from school to not knowing how your business was going to make it through the month. And when things are just so extremely stressful. How do we take that control of our emotions? Okay. So the first thing I want to say, there's definitely a lot that we can discuss over here. This is a very, very deep topic that could be understood from so many angles. So let's see, let's start with one place right now. The first thing we need to remember is that we are human beings and Hashem created us as human beings with our strengths, with our weaknesses, with our limitations. And we have to remember that. We have to allow ourselves, give ourselves that space. Before we spoke about, you know, this expectation of perfection, we got to let go of that. Things can be stressful. Things can be overwhelming. I'm a human being. There's only a certain amount that I can handle. We were only given a certain amount of resources available emotionally, psychologically. So we have to tap into who we are. We have to get to know ourselves. And different people have a different capacity for stress and for uncertainty. Okay. So the first thing is let's understand who we are, what we're able to handle, what we're able to cope with and ask for help when we need it. Okay. 
This could be asking for help for, depending on what the circumstances are from a spouse, from children, from siblings, from parents, from a babysitter, from cleaning help. You know, when I first moved to, okay, when I lived in Israel after we got married, I didn't have cleaning help. It wasn't very common over there. And, you know, you work really hard and I worked full time and I cleaned my home and I did everything. But I grew up in an environment where I was used to doing that. I moved to Mexico. I don't know how familiar you are with the Mexican culture, but everybody in Mexico has live-ins, a few live-ins and drivers and chefs. And it's like a very, (laughs) okay. It's a very elite society, but it's also a very relaxed society. Women hardly do any, any physical Mm work. Women hardly do anything over there. Everything. It's a service oriented culture. Okay. So when I first moved to Mexico, I was like, cleaning help? First of all, they, and they live in, and most people have two live-ins, not just one, okay? And I was like, even the fa- even having cleaning help in the house was so hard for me. I was like, what do you mean? This is my job. I'm supposed to do it. But I also realized at a certain point, the house is, you know, the house was very big. It was like five times the size of the house that I lived in Israel in, that I just moved from. And, you know, and, and in general, like life just got busier there. And I realized there's nothing wrong with me having some cleaning right. help, but I had, to, I had to really talk myself into it. And I felt so guilty. And anytime I spoke to any of my siblings, I never mentioned the fact that I had cleaning help. And I tried to like dumb it down a bit if I had cleaning help every day. And by the way, it's super cheap. It's like beyond. At a certain point, I felt like it's an Avera not to have it. Like Hashem is handing me this on a silver platter. Do you know how much it costs to have a living in Mexico? It's like at the time when I first moved there, it was like $400 a month, a month. To have a live-in, twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week. I know. By the time we left Mexico, it went up a little bit. It was like maybe four hundred and fifty dollars a month. Like, it was ridiculous. So, of course, I, you know, I wanted to have it. Of course, it made my life so much easier. But I would kind of dumb it down to my siblings or to anyone else. I would be like, oh yeah, a little bit of help, three times a week. You know, I was kind of like embarrassed of it. Until I realized this is a chesed of Hashem, what he is letting me do by offering me somebody who can help me in some way so I don't have to be overwhelmed with them. I can take my time and focus on other things. I had more time to play with my kids because somebody was scrubbing my toilets. And I had more time to build up my community, which is why we moved there. So I had to change my entire mindset. I had to make this shift of there's nothing wrong with having cleaning help. I need whatever help I can get. And I am the biggest advocate today for if a woman can afford it and has the ability to have somebody help her even once a week, take it. Take whatever help you can get. It's very, very important. This is why Hashem gave us people in our lives, you know, to be able to help us in whatever capacity. So that's, you know, so that's the first thing. So that was number one, self-awareness and getting help. Number two, and I know this is something that people hear often, but I really, it has to be stressed again and again, you know, it's super trendy, this concept of gratitude, but I want to explain it a little bit deeper. Okay. I said before that one of the keys to true simcha is focusing on the things we can control and not focusing on the things we can't control, letting go of those. So here's another key to simcha. Okay. Focus on the things we have and not on the things we don't have. This is an, another step towards reaching that real inner peace, menuchas hanefesh, contentment that, that we're pursuing and that we cherish so much, right? This idea, how often are we so focused on the things we don't have? And it doesn't mean that we don't 
recognize that we have blessings in life. We do recognize it and we do appreciate it very often. Maybe some people not often enough. You know, people know that they have bracha in their life, but that's not their focus. They're still focused so much on the things they don't have. Right. And I think that as long as we keep focusing, it's this again, this why me or why this or one second. Why are we only asking why me when it comes to something that's negative? Right. Why is this happening? to? Why do we never stop and say, Hashem, why me? Why did you bless me with so much goodness? Why me? Why do I deserve all this greatness? Why do I deserve all this bracha? Why do I deserve everything you give me? All these gifts. Why me? I think we need to flip the why me from despair to a why me of gratitude, right? Of, wow, I can't believe, like, thank you for this gift. So again, this goes along very much with that victim mindset. That victim mindset is a mindset of entitlement. That victim mindset is a mindset of, of I deserve and I don't have. Pervation right? And this leads to a life of bitterness, a life of resentment, right? Because you're never going to feel, if you think you deserve, if I think I am entitled to, of whatever it is or to whatever it is, right? Then everything is always going to come up short in life. Nobody's ever going to be able to satisfy all the things I think I deserve. So I'm always going to be feeling a little bitter, a little resentful, right? To the people who I expect to give me what it is I need or to Hashem. Right. I'm always going to feel resentful. I'm going to feel, feel bitter. But if I want to really feel gratitude, what leads to a life of happiness and to feeling content and happy is a life of gratitude right? I don't deserve any of this, but I have it anyway. Thank you, Hashem. Thank you. Oh my goodness. It's like this, sometimes, like, don't you feel overwhelmed sometimes with like all the bracha that you have? It's like, whoa, really? So much goodness? It's incredible. But we have to be able to focus on that. That has to be, we have to train ourselves to recognize that. So that's something that's, that's very important for us to understand. Am I focused on the things that I don't have? Or am I focused on the things that I have, on the, the gifts that I was given? And it, it's all a matter of mindset. So that's the next thing that I wanted to share. Thank you. You're just like casually dropping so many gems. And I know we, we could talk about any one of these topics probably forever. Yes. But I have a few more questions I want to ask you. So I'm going to move on. Of course. Um, something I hear a lot from women is that they feel almost an insecurity about their role as a mother because we have so many preconceived notions about what that is supposed to look like. We picture like this mama in the shtetl, right? She has like a flower dusted apron. She's always baking ruglach. And our reality usually does not look like that nowadays. I think for most women and especially women who are running businesses, they're filling so many other huge roles. My question is, how do we even think about our role as a mother through a lens of Yiddishkeit, but something beyond the ruglach, because that's not how we're coming at it with all the roles that we juggle these days? Okay. Ah, Again, you're asking all the best questions, and each one of these things are so deep and things that can just go on forever and ever. Um, So let's see. Okay, the first thing that I want to mention is even this concept of Eishas Chayel, right? The be that Eishas Chayel that you're talking about, like the ruglach and the apron and the right... And we're always taught growing up, you have to be an Eishas Chayel. Even I remember one of my children, when we were living 
in one of the places we were living in. And I was looking into one of the schools there and my husband and I, we went into the principal or, you know, instead of them interviewing us, I like to interview them and I like to ask them like, what's your mission? What's your mission for your students? Like, what do you intend for them? And I remember she thought for a few minutes and she was like, oh, she was literally the principal for decades. She said, no one's ever asked me that before. I've never thought about that before. What do I want from my students? I couldn't believe that she's never thought about that. And she thought and thought and thought. And then she said, and then she said that they should go up to be Nishayel. Like that was her response. And I was like, wow, you know, that that's the me- the message. Just be a, what is an Eishas Chayel? Do we even know what that is? But it's something that we're taught over and over and over again. And the truth is the term Eishas Chayel could actually be very triggering for people sometimes as they get older, right? It could mm-hmm. be very triggering because it's this concept. Again, as I mentioned before, it's this level of perfection that they have to reach. The yeah. ultimate Eishas Chayel, right? The woman who can do it all, the wife who can do everything, the mother who is flawless. It's it's like this crazy expectation and it's very scary for people. Right. I think what we need to understand is really what is an Eishas Chayel truly, right? What is this Eishas Chayel? So I'm going to tell you my definition of an Eishas Chayel, okay? An Eishas Chayel is not that woman, that perfection that we're talking about. An Eishas Chayel is not some antiquated woman's role in the kitchen, barefoot and pregnant with her apron and her pearls. And, you know, that's not an Eishas Chayel. An Eishas Chayel is a woman who knows when it's time to order takeout. That's an Eishas Chayel. She knows her reality. She knows the reality of her family. She knows what they need and what she can give them in this moment. And if tonight is a night we need to buy takeout, well, tonight we're buying takeout, right? That's an Eishas Chayel. It's a woman who's present in her reality, okay? And prioritizes her family's needs and her needs that's an Asia's Chayel. So number one, let's let's just have that clear and that understanding, okay? Now, continuing on with what you asked about kind of this juggle between being that woman and that mother and that, that powerful figure at home and being a woman in the workplace, right? The truth is, I actually don't even see a contradiction here. Sometimes people say, how, how do you balance the two? How do they work in sync? How could it possibly, right? I don't see a contradiction here. The Torah finds independence and empowerment in taking care of our families. That itself is empowering. Is motherhood not empowering? Is community work not empowering? Right? They both are and they can coexist. The Torah never makes these distinctions between being a self-determining woman and a domestic woman, right? What you do day to day doesn't define you. It's how you do it. Your personality goes way beyond that. The fact that modern society has created a division between these two things, that's where the problem begins, right? A woman, just like a man, is always doing what she has to do. And we should always be aware in the moment of what is the right thing? What is the right thing in this situation? What's the right thing in that? What's the right thing to say? What's the right thing to do? And we bring all of our talents and characteristics into doing that thing wholeheartedly, right? It doesn't matter what you're doing. It's how are you doing it? What's my attitude? What's my perspective? So there really should be no contradiction here at all. And in fact, by the way, in the Torah, a woman is referred to by two names, 
okay, in the beginning. If you want to know what, what anything is, if you want a definition of something, you always go back to the original Makar in the Torah. And when you want to know what is a woman, actually, so let's go look inside. How is she defined? There are two terms for woman, two ways that she's called. One is Isha and one is Aim. These are the two, two words that refer to a woman. So aim, let's talk about aim first. Aim alludes to the nurturing side of a woman. Aim technically means mother for anyone who needs a definition. Aim means mother, but it also refers to the wife because it's the nurturer. So that's aim, the nurturer and the nurturing side of a woman. And then we have isha, which suggests a feminine, proactive, constructive power of a woman, right? That's, that's the, the isha in her. We have full access to both Isha and Aim. And we as women, actually the most powerful when we use our entire selves to serve Hashem and when we shine our light into his world that is all encompassing both sides and all of our parts. So there really is no contradiction. Okay. There is just woman. There is just me. And I am a mother and I am a leader in the community and I am a constructive, proactive force. And I also birth my children and nurture my children. And it's all one and the same. And I think it's important for us to understand Incredible. that that is what's empowering, Yes. right? Yeah. Wow. It's resonating so much, Yafa. A lot of what I talk about is nurturing all the parts of us instead of like compartmentalizing, which I think so many women do when they go to work, they kind of like shut out the fact that they're a mother because they feel like a bad mother because they're going to work. And so they just deny right? the kids and that whole reality. And so much of what I talk about is this is like nurturing myself as a very multifaceted person and recognizing that I'm not just a mother and not just a business owner, yeah. but it's all part of me, which is so, so powerful. And I think yeah. I've been finding that women fall into two categories. There are like the ones that feel guilty for not making chocolate chip cookies. And then the ones that are anti-chocolate chip cookies, they're like, we have these, right, these preconceived notions and we're going to smash through them. And we're going to show that a, a good mother could even be a mother that works. And I don't, really love either uh, take because I think that it's not that the role of a woman has changed and that in this new age, we're able to like recognize that a woman doesn't have to be limited to chocolate chip cookies. I think that this is how I see it. Like a mother's role has always been and always will be to exactly what you said, to nurture her children. And so sometimes that comes through in the very like typical Pinterest mom type of activities. And sometimes that's, that right. looks totally different, but a mother's role, like there's nothing to change or to revolutionize. A mother nurtures and that's always been what it is. And that's, that's how it's going to stay. Yeah. That in itself is so empowering and people don't realize that that's the, the importance of that yeah. role and what a gift and privilege it is. It is an absolute privilege to have that role. And, you know, unfortunately, if you ask any, any woman who's struggling to become a mother, right, she would give anything for the privilege of raising children. And this is, again, you know, something that we may take for granted sometimes and not realize that that's where our empowerment comes from. There is no reason for it to be a contradiction or to make any distinction here at all in our roles. Yeah, so powerful. Yafa, yeah. I have a question for you from Dina, uh, LifeWorks Empowered member. She's in my membership, and I 
I give my members that perk of submitting questions to podcast guests. Sure. Her question might be a little bit of a tough one to answer as a general question, as opposed to in a specific scenario, but it boils down to, she wants to know how could she think about balancing her family's needs and her professional fulfillment needs. And she explains that sometimes, you know, she's thinking about her business growth and there's like another avenue that she wants to explore and exploring it might cost time and money and she has to take a course and hire a mentor and she's not making money while she's trying to grow her business in that area and she feels like it might be more fulfilling for her and that might in some ways take away from her family whether it's financially or her time or her headspace and then there's also the fear that all of that time and money that she's investing doesn't even have the payout in the long run because maybe that ended up not being the right path for her business. So there are a lot, a lot of aspects to this question, but she's asking really how to balance the role of mother and provider for her family with her need for self-expression and self-fulfillment in her business. Okay. It really is a, a good question. And as you said, it's super deep and, you know, there are definitely different angles to this question. The first thing I'm going to say is that a lot of it has to do with timing. Timing is everything. You know, there are different seasons in life. And we live in different, there's emotional seasons, and then there is educational seasons, and there is, you know, meaning how we educate our children. There's so many, based on their ages, there's so many seasons. And we have to understand that everything goes in cycles. And there's everything also depends on the stage. So I don't know how old Dina is and how old her children are, all of that I don't know. But it's important for us to understand that the first thing is, is this the right time right now for me to do all the things that you want to do? Like you could have visions and goals and dreams and they're so beautiful and so wonderful. But again, this goes back to what we said in the beginning, prioritizing, right? Is this something that I actually could do right now while being fully present for my family? If it's not, and if it might affect my family, then maybe in this moment, I just... I can be the provider in whatever way I need to provide for them, but my my deeper passions might have to be put on hold until it's a better time. And it doesn't mean that I have to wait 10 years for it. It might be in six months. It might be in a year. You know, it doesn't have to be long-term, but, it, but the first thing to understand is timing. Is this the right timing right now to do that? Okay. That's, that's the first thing. And again, that connects also to prioritizing, Right. There was another thing that I wanted to mention on this. Can you rephrase the question? Maybe I'll remember the second thing I wanted to say. You said yeah. how to find the balance. How do I balance between my family's needs and my professional fulfillment needs? Or she also worded it as like, would Hashem want me to put my self-expression and self-fulfillment higher than my role as mother and provider? Mm, okay. Well, first of all, after what we mentioned before, she might understand that the way she phrased that a little bit differently right? And Dina, if you're going to be watching this, I can talk directly to you. You know how we just said that your yeah. fulfillment and expression can also come through raising your children. There doesn't have to be a contradiction. Now, I understand that it can't be all of it. It can't be everything. And everyone's raised differently and created differently. I remember having a former student of mine years ago, but when I talk about students, I'm talking about women oh, students. So she was a mother already and she had, you know, three little kids. And I remember being blown away by her that her entire life revolved around her children. She loved them. She would sit on the floor and play for hours. She would cry when her kids went to school. She missed them all day. And I was like, who are you? Like to me, 
no, that wasn't me. I wasn't built that way. You know, I loved my kids. And of course I was present with them, but like, no, I was so happy when that bus pulled off in the morning and I had my own space. You know what I mean? But to her, she yeah. got such such deep fulfillment from that. She didn't need anything else. So I understand, of course, that it can't fulfill us completely. But we always have to know what our what's my priority. Is my priority being very present for my children? As long as I am very present for them, whatever else I have time for on their side, I can do. Now, being present is not about quantity. It's about quality. It doesn't mean that you have to be sitting and playing and listening and talking to your children 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But it just means that you have to give them quality time. And I remember when my kids were young, I remember a little having this observation that when they came home from school or whatever it was, if I gave them a solid half hour or maybe an hour, depending on the day, of just quality time where I was 100% present, no phone with me, nothing else was important, just one-on-one with them, that filled them up for the rest of the day. And then for the hours after that, I was really able to focus on some of my other things because they were so filled up with my complete presence with that quality time that I gave them. So I think that that's something to have in mind also. Sometimes people are not accomplishing either one because they're so torn between the two. They're trying so hard to work and then to be with their kids and that they're not giving their full to their work or to their kids because they're constantly, one second, I'll be right there. One second, hold on, just one more phone call. This is important, one minute, right? Does this sound familiar, right? Sometimes we're just kind of like trying to do it all. We want our kids to know that we're there with them, but I just have an important phone call. No, no, no. If we can stop and just be present 100% with them for a certain amount of time. They know they can rely on us being on that quality time with us. And we'll be able to have a lot more time to really use that to do other things. And I, I 100% believe I am the biggest advocate for women and especially women with children to do other things as well. Some passion, some hobby, go out with friends. It is super, super important to maintain your Isha along with your aim. Very important, but it's all about time management. It's all about prioritizing. It's all about making sure to be present for the things in our life that are important, that that we might regret. If you fast forward in your mind a bunch of years, what would you regret when once your kids are grown? Are you going to regret that you didn't give them that presence that they needed and that quality time that they needed, then you know that this is the moment to do that. I hope that answers her question. Yes. Yeah. That definitely gave a lot of food for thought. So I'm sure she'll appreciate it. Yafa, we end every podcast by asking my guest to challenge our listeners to take one doable action that will make this whole incredible conversation that we had impactful for them in some way. What do you challenge our listeners to right now? Wow. Okay. I think I know what it's going to be. It's going to be along the theme of what we were talking about on focusing on what you have, not on what you don't have, focusing on what you could control and not on what you can't control. I would like to take that focus idea and ask you and challenge you to focus on what's going right and not on what's going wrong. Focus on what you are doing right as a wife as a mother, as a woman, right? Just one thing every day. Give yourself more credit than criticism. But not only that, this is going to be like a few few layers to this challenge, all right? So let's see how how deep we can all go. The first thing is, okay, focus on what you're doing right 
much more than on what you're doing wrong as a wife and a mother. This doesn't mean, by the way, not to be introspective and to, we spoke about taking responsibility for your life and owning up, of course, a thousand percent, but that has to come from a place of growth, not from a place of shame. Okay. It has to come from a place of, of love and not from a place of, uh, you know, as I mentioned, of shame or of blame or of anything negative. Okay. So, um, so that's the first thing. Focus on what, what you're doing right and not on what you're doing wrong. Give yourself more credit than criticism. Also, next level, focus on what your children are doing right and not on what they're doing wrong. Right? We always like to catch our children doing something wrong so we can be like, hey, don't do that. Hey, right? do we ever catch them doing something right? Just look at them and, and say, wow, I'm so proud of you. Be proud of our children. Catch them doing good things and praise them for it. And level three, focus on what your husband is doing right and not on what he's doing wrong. Catch him doing those right things, acknowledge them, and make sure we do this, all of this, at least once a day. As many times a day as you, as you can do it, the better. But at least once a day, let's focus on what's going right and what the people around us are doing right and what we're doing right and not on what's going wrong. Okay, and not only in ourselves, by the way, this means what's going right in general in life. Okay, you burnt you burnt dinner tonight. You can focus the rest of your day on how, what you know what an idiot you are and how upsetting it is. And you, okay, but did you do other good things today? Let's focus on the things that went well, yeah. on the things that went right, and not on the things that went wrong. Okay, is that yeah, a good so challenge? Powerful. Incredible, fantastic. And for listeners that want to learn more from you, connect with you further, where can they find you? So right now, my main platform is Instagram. You can definitely find me on Instagram, my name at Yafa Palti. I am in the process of creating a website. I know it took me a long time to get there, but Yay. it's just, you know, it's it's not my forte. I'm a much more like in-person kind of person. So moving online was harder for me and it was something yeah. that I just started recently. So I'm building a website and you will be able to reach me through the website very soon, but as a Sashem. But meanwhile, definitely through Instagram. Um, if anybody wants to send me an email, they can, but I don't, I'm not as good with email as I am with WhatsApp. I don't mind leaving my phone number. If anybody wants to contact me, can, is that okay, Hannah? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Okay. You can send me a WhatsApp, 858-405-8540. I'm more than happy to speak to anyone. Thank you so much, Yafa. This was such a treat. It's really a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait till it comes out. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with me today. As always, head to lifeworkspodcast.com because that's where the party's at. Drop a comment, hashtag iLifeWorked on this episode to let our community know that you took the challenge and encourage others to do the same. If you want to hear more about what I do for Fromompreneurs and how we can work together, reach out, Hana at lifeworkspodcast.com. Wishing you a day of work and life that work to bring you tremendous fulfillment and joy. Till next time, I'll see you here and again. Thanks for being a part of our incredible community.